Well, I know you good Christians, we don't have to buy into these secular holidays now. Surely not. But uh, anyway, Valentine's Day is every day for us, right? Should be. Should be. Um, since it is Valentine's Day, I, I kind of I want to uh, start things off appropriately. And uh, of course, that would be with some Valentine jokes. So... Prepare yourself. If you want to tune out for a few minutes and then tune back in, we'll get to the important stuff in a little bit. You know, a, a new girlfriend of, of this guy, this guy's new girlfriend, she works at the zoo. He thinks she's a keeper. <laughs> What's the difference between love and marriage? Difference between love, love and marriage. Love is blind. Marriage is an eye-opener. <laughs> a, a wife once asked her husband, how would you describe me? He replies, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And he stopped. And the confused wife asks, what does that mean? The husband replies, adorable, beautiful, cute, delightful, elegant, fashionable, generous, and hot. The wife says, oh, thank you, but, but what about IJK? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know where he slept that night. <laughs> By the way, guys, never laugh. Never laugh at your wife's choices. You're one of them, right? My dad always said, find a girl with an embarrassing tattoo and try to convince her to marry you. She, she knows how to make bad decisions and stick by them. <laughs> I was on a flight the other day, and I, I found I'd been seated next to a beautiful young woman. As I sat down next to her, I said, does the airline charge you extra for sitting next to good-looking men? She said, yes, but I couldn't afford the upgrade. <laughs> nice. And, and singles, by the way, it, 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 uh, what do you say to your single friends on Valentine's Day? Happy Independence Day. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I got this morning. <laughs> I, I hope you enjoyed those. Uh, I surely enjoyed sorting through the 120-something to find those. Uh. <laughs> but it is Valentine's Day, and today, of course, you know, as we said, love is in the air, and so... I wanted to, as we find ourselves again in a topical time uh, of study, uh, we took a pause from our book study for a little while. We will hopefully resume that eventually, but we've got some things coming down the pipe. Uh, again, excited about this week. Pray for the Stugelmeyers. They're settled in. They're unpacking. Uh, Pastor Mark's first day in the office will be Tuesday, and so pray for him as he settles in. Mama Stugelmeyer, she's all settled in her house as well, and so y'all please make Mark's mom feel welcome, Miss Linda. Anyway, we're glad to have them uh, here with us. Uh, and so, uh, again, as he gets settled in, we're going to uh, kind of try to launch what we would normally do a series at the beginning of the year. We're going to kind of enter into some of that territory in, in the weeks ahead. We also have our Mission Sunday, and so don't forget that. Mark your calendars. February 28th is our Missions Sunday. It'll be an emphasis Sunday instead of a conference, uh, but hope you'll plan on being here for that. So again, some things happening. So it's a good time for a topical study. And what better topic on Valentine's Day than love? And so today's study 
It's entitled, Love Begins and Ends with God. Love Begins and Ends with God. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. And even though this is going to be a topical study, um, we're going to kind of move around uh, a, a little bit, but we're actually going to stay in a central text. And so uh, we'll have a little exegetical in this. By the way, as you're turning there, guys, just a couple of things I, I want to share with you. Keep, continue to keep in prayer. Uh, Jessica Deck uh, came home the other day. Uh, as you know, she had a bacterial pneumonia. And... Um, uh, she went. Uh, she was in the hospital for a little while. She came back home and then had to go back to the ER that evening. Uh, she is back home. She's um, recovering. She feels like she's kind of made the turn now at this point, but continue to pray for them. Uh, Nate and the kids have, have tested negative. We trust that will continue to be the case. Uh, but thank you all, too, for your quick response. Uh, several of you uh, signed up right away. We were able to get them some food, and, and uh, I've told them if they need anything else, let us know. Continue to hold them in prayer, if you would, please. And also, it's, it's good. Continue to hold Tyson, his family, in prayer. Tyson, it's good to have you home with us, brother. We love you, and we've been praying for you. And just again, guys, let's continue to pray for each other, to pray for one another uh, in the days ahead um, for these things and other things. Love begins and ends with God. Define love for me. Think in your head for a moment. Think in your heart for a moment. If I were to put you on the spot, come up with a microphone, and ask you to define love, how would you describe it? How would you define it? Let's just kind of take a little meditation. <laughs> okay, that was rhetorical, but thank you for that. <laughs> we can think about it. Seriously, what, what, what would be our answer? The Bible... Typically, when we do these kind of messages, we focus on three Greek words that are found throughout Scripture, the, the main ones, phileo, and again, this is that brotherly love. This is that familial love. Again, when you think of the town Philadelphia, it's known as the city of brotherly love, right? Phileo is a type of love that's family-oriented. You love your family. You love your brothers, your sisters. There's you know, this, this idea of family love. And most of us in the world, we can understand and appreciate that type of love. In America, probably the most known love and the most confusing love is eros. That's a sensual kind of love. It's sexual in nature. It's lustful. Again, most of what we think in America is love is not true love. Most of you have bought into the lie, as most people do. We grew up watching soap operas in Hollywood and reading the... And I know y'all don't read those kind of you know, harlequin books. Uh, or the harlequin, anyway. Those uh, kind of romance novel, novels. But, but there's this false sensual love that's presented too often times. And so most people, uh, when they think love, this is what they think of. And guys, we need to protect our hearts. I believe that the sensual love of Eros has made its way into the church. I believe that's what leads people like David Platt to make statements such as, uh, we no longer worship God, we worship worship. 
because of the euphoric that it gives us, that it gives me. I'm the center of that worship. I don't know it because I think, hey, I'm in the presence of God and this feels good, but what I'm actually worshiping is that feeling, that euphoria. I think the prosperity gospel is, is a heretical teaching that has made its way amongst Christians that causes us to, again, be sensual in nature. It's fleshly satisfying. And so the enemy loves to use eros to make us think, oh, I'm so in love. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. But what the Bible wants us to know, what God wants us to know, is that there is a love and it's called agape. And that is a divine in nature love. And if you and I are going to experience real love, it's not going to be because of the feeling that I have. Those butterflies go away. Trust me, those looks will be gone one day, said every 90-year-old. What is motivating your heart to love one another? And so we need to think, believers, at the, at, to the depth of what uh, agape love is. It's divine in nature. If we're going to understand true love, perfect love, biblical love, then the only way that we can know that is through a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Only in Christ can we experience true love. And God's desire is that love would spill over in our life to those around us. Agape love. That's the kind of love we're going to find... Uh, in our text. By the way, love is not a feeling. It's a fact. Love is not just about trust, but it's bound by truth. Love is not a contest, it's a commitment. Love is not a ceremony or civil in contract, but it's a covenant. Very important difference in understanding this, especially for those of you entering into marriage, looking to marry one day. This is one of the things we cover in premarital counseling. Marriage is not a ceremony, guys. I know we get all amped up about the ceremony. Listen, if that's your focus, I understand, but you need to think about the covenant. It's not civil, where it's just a contract that can be signed and broken. It's a, it's a covenant. True love is always unfailing, undeserving, and unconditional. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that that is the kind of love that God has bestowed upon us. I'm thankful that the love that comes from Christ is one that's not based on my merit or your merit. I'm thankful that the love of Christ is so strong that nothing can separate us from it. It's unfailing in nature, right? It's undeserving. You're not going to earn it. Wow, yeah, we fall way short on that one, don't we? It's unconditional. It's not contingent upon you and your performance. It's not contingent upon whether or not I make you happy or not make you... Our love in Christ is based upon Him and Him alone. Love begins with God. And it ends with Him. 
Look, if you would, we'll read here. I have it on the screen. Today's reading I'm going to give you from the New American Standard Bible. And if you would follow along, again, we find ourselves in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He's given us of His Spirit. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. We've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother. He's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he's seen, cannot love God, whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Father, I pray this morning that you'll make your truth known that you will be our teacher, that the Holy Spirit will open our hearts and our minds, that we'll look into the mirror of your word, and Lord, that we'll understand the truth of love. And Lord, I pray if there be anyone here that the love of Christ does not abide in their heart, that today would be their day of salvation. And so I pray that they will receive the greatest love ever offered to mankind. And so, Lord, will you make your love known through the teaching and preaching of your word today and that those cords of love would draw them to know you, the giver of love, the sustainer of love, and the finisher of love. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
So as was mentioned in the title, love begins with God. Our outline for today, actually probably going to be a two-parter, I can already tell you. (laughs) Go and put you on notice. Uh, Love begins with God. We're going to look at that in verses 7 through 8. Uh, Then we're going to look at love comes from God. It begins there, but it also comes from there. And then we're going to look at how love ends with God, and that'll be in verses 17 through 21. So let's start here with love begins with God. Notice, if you would, in the text, love begins with God. Therefore, love one another. Right out of the gate, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If love begins there, he makes a clear statement here that we're reminded again, John's the author. He wrote this earlier in another gospel. He said, John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love begins with God, therefore love one another. We must love one another. Because this isn't, a, 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 again, a up for debate. In 1 John, it, it, by the way, again, I encourage you to go. This week will be a good time because we'll probably be in this again next week. Just read 1 John. Take time this week and read through 1 John. 1 John is a great um, litmus test for us as followers of Christ. It's sort of one of these black and white, you, you kind of examine yourself to see if you're in the faith kind of books. Uh, By the way, you know it's okay to examine ourselves. We need to be asking ourselves, am I a believer? Does Christ abide in me? Am I truly born again? Paul said to the Corinthians, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. I believe we live in one of the deadliest and most dangerous times in, in the Bible Belt of America because so many people are inoculated to the gospel. They've got their shot. They think they're immune. And what I mean by that is this. They've prayed a prayer. They repeated something. They went forward to an altar in an emotional moment. They made a decision for Christ. And again, guys, I'm not negating that if you were born again through that format, praise be to God. Okay? God uses various means and methods to draw people to repentance and faith. But what I'm speaking to is that we have watered down and diluted the gospel so much that we have presented, I believe, a false gospel. That just because someone did that, they thought they said the magic words, therefore they're in. And now they can get back to their life as they know it. That's a heart that does not understand the cross of Calvary. And so we must examine ourselves to see, is there evidence that I am born again? Is there truly fruit on my tree? Is there fruit in my life that says I am a born again Christian? 
And we need to be willing to look at that, and we need to also be willing to encourage each other to look at that. Because the last thing we want to do is to go through life deceived, thinking we're okay, and find ourselves before a holy God, and He say, depart from me. I never knew you. And he te- Jesus tells us in His own words, many will come in that day. Many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in thy name? Did, did I not teach it? And, and they talk about all these things. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You worker of lawlessness. You see, John does a, a, a good uh, exposing here in 1 John to shine the light onto our hearts to help us examine to see if we're in the faith. And we're going to talk about some of those things as we go through this. But one of the big things that he talks about is, again, that there should be certain evidences in our life. Certain practices, certain lifestyles, certain fruit on our tree. And one of those is our love for God and our love for one another. I mean, that's pretty important when Jesus out of His own mouth says, this is how people in the world are going to know you're a follower of mine, your love for one another. Where's your heart this morning, church? Is it bound in bitterness? Surrender it at the cross of Calvary. Because I promise you, this preacher wasn't lovable. I was very unlovable. I was wicked, deprived, and in my sin when Christ demonstrated His love for me. Newsflash, that's exactly how you were when He demonstrated His love for you. And yet he offered himself freely. He gave himself willingly that we might have hope. That we might have forgiveness. That we might experience the love of God. And that's shed abroad in our hearts as believers, is it not? And so that should be an overflow of our life. Love begins with God, therefore love one another. It's evidence that you are A believer, it's evidence that you are born of God. Notice what the text says. He says here in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. How are you doing in the agape love department? Do you love the brethren, the believer, the fellow believer? That's evidence that you're born of God if you do. You know, it's easy to love those closest to you, right? Jesus gave an illustration of this too. You know how as a father, even a wicked dad knows how to give good gifts to his kids, right? But how about a holy dad, a just dad? He's still willing to offer a good gift to the wicked. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Evidence that we're born of God. It also is evidence that we know God. Again, the text there continues on. He says, in John's writing, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Do you know God this morning? 
this idea of, of, of again, born of God, uh, I'm reminded in, in John's other writing, in, in John 8, 42, he says this, he said, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. Jesus said this. For I proceed forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. See, again, be real clear, guys. You and I don't know love apart from God. God is where love begins. Love begins with God. You and I live in a fallen world. We're fallen by nature. Again, we're totally deprived. There's no good in any of us. We don't seek after that which is good. We're dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. We're spiritually born dead. Don't think, don't buy into the lies of the world that somehow there's a spark of the divine within you, that you are good. You're not good. God says there's none righteous. No, not one. We all have, like sheep, have gone astray. Man loves darkness rather than light. And if God doesn't intervene in our story, then we're in trouble. Right? If God doesn't do something after the fall of mankind, when when Adam and Eve in the garden, when they rebelled against God and the curse came into the world and therefore sin brought death into the world and as a result of sin, as a result of the fall, death passes through Adam and it's been passed to every man that's ever lived with the exception of one. And yet that one was willing to go to the cross and lay down his life. No one took it. He laid down his life for you and me that we could be made right. That we could experience the love of God. That we could have our sins forgiven. And it's through that gospel, it's through that good news, the good news that... God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's through that good news, that grace that God gives, that you and I can be forgiven of our sins and born again. Are you born again today? Can you sit here today and know that your heart has been regenerated? That you've been made new? That you have in your spirit been awakened to who God is, been awakened by the love of Christ, recognizing the sin, because that's where it begins. We admit our sin, guys. We admit that our sin separates us from God, and we're not willing to practice a lifestyle of sin. In fact, look, if you would, turn back over to John, 1 John 3, just the previous, previous um, chapter. And again, uh, we, we've kind of jumped in here in, in chapter 4 in the midst of a context. But notice, if you would, go back to chapter 1 John chapter 3. And I'll read this. You can follow along. I'm not going to put it on the screen. Behold, verse 1 of chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God? Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed... We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Again, we're looking towards that return of Christ, right? That coming of Christ when He comes back for His own, for His children, for His church. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself 
just as He is pure. Okay, here's another litmus test. If I'm in the faith, if I'm born again, there should be this hope, this desire that's looking for the coming of Christ. There should be this purifying hope that's within me. It should therefore cause me to walk different, live different, think different. Are you walking different? Are you living different? Are you thinking different than you were before you made that little confession of prayer, before you were publicly declared saved, before you had that emotional moment? Is there a change in your life? Is there a transformation from within? There should be. So John is exposing our hearts to this. He says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whoever commits sin, notice verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins. Look, this is the whole reason Jesus came, John's saying. He came to not only deliver us from the penalty of sin, which was death, He also came to deliver us from the power of sin. We're no longer held by sin's sway. We don't have to live the way we used to live. The way I used to live... I was a slave to my lustful flesh. I had no choice in it, right? In the sense that my, I'm dead. I'm spiritually dead, so I do what dead people do. I was bound by my chains. And unless the love of Christ, the gospel, the glorious light of the gospel, if it doesn't penetrate my heart, guys, I'm still dead in my trespasses and sin. But the glorious light of the gospel penetrated my heart on February 19th. I celebrate a birthday this week, praise God. And the gospel of Christ gripped my heart in such a way that I surrendered my life to Christ that day. A transformation began. And that process I'm still under, by the way. I'm still under construction. Don't think I've arrived. Some of you have been with me longer than five minutes. You know this. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your love. But He was manifested, Jesus, to take away our sins. And in Him, there is no sin. Did you get that? In Him, there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, wait a minute. Time out, Bo. Time out. What are you saying? Did I read that right, preacher? All right, let me tell you what that's not saying. Okay, that passage is not teaching sinless perfection. You're not going to arrive on, on this side of glory. Again, the the English language doesn't do us well here. The idea here captured in in the original language, what John in essence is saying is this. If you're going to practice lawlessness, if you're going to practice sin, you're going to live in habitual sin, you don't know Him. So I ask this morning, are you camped out in sin? Is sin what marks your life? There's no desire for the truth. There's no desire to lay down that sin. I didn't ask if you're struggling and wrestling through some sin. If your heart is not at home in sin, probably for a reason. Your life will be miserable as a believer, a born-again believer, if you stay in the pigsty. The transforming grace of God, the love of God is all about 
causing you to walk in a new direction. This is that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember? In Christ, big phrase. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things, old things, old lifestyles, old way of doing it, old way of thinking, things that I thought were okay, that I was all right with, but I look in the Word of God and the mirror says, uh-uh, that ain't right. And, and so I'm willing to lay that down. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming, okay, becoming, process, becoming new. And so John, again, is giving us an, an examination here. We're, we're examining ourselves. He says, whoever abides in him, are you abiding in him? Again, John wrote real well about this. That he's the vine, we're the branches. If you abide in him, right? But if you don't, then, then that branch is dead and it's going to be broken off and thrown in the fire. And I think there's a lot of people that are uh, attached to the church that think they're okay that in the end will be dead branches. We need to examine ourselves, guys. This is eternally important. It's too important to not examine ourselves, to see if we're in the faith. Are we born of God? And so, John continues. Notice in 3.7, Little children, let no one deceive you. See, that, that implies you can be tricked. That implies that you can be deceived. Do you realize that you could be deceived this morning thinking you're on your way to heaven and you're on your way to hell? That should scare you. I mean, it should sober you. It should cause you to think about the truth that God's not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance. His desire is to give you His love. He is poured out upon whosoever will. Let them come. He wants you to come. If you're here today and you thirst and you hunger for righteousness, He is willing to give it to you if you'll simply come to Him in faith. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices, there's the key word, circle that one. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins, practices sin, is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, for this purpose, because of sin, the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And that's exactly what he did at the cross of Calvary. He destroyed the works of the devil. He defeated the penalty of sin, which is death, separation from God. He destroyed that. Jesus now says, again, if you call upon my name, you shall be saved. He provides a way of grace. He provides a way, an opportunity, a bridge to the Father to be made right in the eyes of God. Jesus alone, in Him we find our righteousness. In Him alone we find our perfection. He destroyed the penalty, which was death. He conquered it. He also destroyed the works of the devil, which is the power over you to sin. Guys, if you're a born-again believer, don't believe the lie that you must sin. I just can't stop. Oh, oh, wretched man that I am. Look, Paul struggled, I understand. But where did he find his answer? Keep reading. Keep reading. Don't stop there. 
in Romans. Oh, wretched man that I am. He knows where his answer is. It's in Christ. Here's what I, oftentimes we, we illustrate this in our counseling to a born-again believer. That you realize that if you're struggling with this sin and you just can't for whatever reason seem to get victory over and you are in Christ, you're abiding in Christ, that's akin to being in a jail cell and the door is unlocked. Why do you remain? Why are you staying there? You're free. You're free from that. Don't stay there. Don't live there. You now actually have the indwelling Holy Spirit that can allow you to walk in the Spirit. You don't have to be bound by the flesh. But pre preacher, you just don't know the struggle. I know the Christ. I know the Savior. And you do too. Stop believing the lie of the devil and start listening to the voice of God. That's the battle. The battle's won. And the mind is the battlefield. And so we get it so deep down. The Scripture talks about a stronghold. And a lot of times what I'll illustrate in counseling is I'll draw this circle, and right in the center of that circle I'll draw a dot, and I'll fill it in real, real dark black. And I'll divide this thing into a pie. And on one part of the pie is family. And on one part of the pie is work. And on one part of the pie is church. And one part of the pie is relationship. And if you've got that visual in your mind, and yet you see this dark black circle that is affecting every piece of the pie, that's what a stronghold does in your life. When you have this sin that is so rooted in your life, it affects every part of your life. Can I give you some good news? God's Word says that He is mighty. He is, he is Through Him, He's mighty and able to pull down those strongholds. Now, I can choose to believe that or not choose to believe that. But I choose, therefore, again, thinking, thinking through the mind of Christ, recognizing the voice of God. By the way, His sheep hear His voice, right? And they follow Him. So God's Word tells you and me this. If that's our struggle, and we've got that, that just dark spot in our heart and our life that's keeping us in bondage, I bring every thought that seeks to exalt itself against the power of God, I bring that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not going to believe that lie anymore that I have to do this, that i got to practice this sin, that i got to continue being held by this bondage. No, I'm bringing that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ has defeated the enemy, and He's not only delivered me from the penalty of sin, He's also given me the ability to live in the power out of sin. Now, we're not going to do that perfect because we do battle the flesh and we do trip and we do fall. But guys, my answer and your answer is to abide in Him. And when I abide in Him, I'm able to bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Who are you listening to this morning? The enemy whispered to Eve in the garden. The enemy is still whispering to many of you today. And you're listening. Bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And therefore, after you have brought those thoughts captive, you're able to punish that disobedience by obedience. What does that mean? It means you want to defeat it? Walk in obedience. Obedient faith spanks it. That's just a disciplinary term I'm using. But that's what it does. It disciplines the disobedience. Your obedience. Trust God, listen to His voice, and walk in faith. 
born of God. Love begins with God. Uh, and again, we see this here. Not only uh, are we born of God, we also know God. Again, John uh, 14. Whoop, let me go back to that. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Now, this isn't self-effort, guys. This isn't me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. Okay, that's part of our problem. Too often times when we read a passage like this or we hear a message like this, we go out of here thinking, okay, I heard the preacher today, I just got to do better. Uh-uh. No, absolutely not. You can't do better. You can't improve upon the cross of Calvary. You can't improve on the righteousness of Christ, the the pure, sinless perfection of Christ. You can't improve on that. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I mean, really. I know who I am. I know who you are apart from Christ. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. We need to be revived. We need to be brought to life. I know my own sinful heart. Well, actually, you know what? God told me I don't know it. Jeremiah, right? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what God says. So, I'm going to agree with God. I don't even know my own heart. I better abide in Christ because I'm in trouble if I don't walk in Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said, look, if you're, if you're laden, if, you, if, and if, if it's heavy upon you, and, and, and the labor in which you're engaging in, religiously speaking, is, is, is heavy, come to Him. He says, come to me with that, that burden. His yoke is light. So if Christianity for you seems like a bunch of, to, uh, a bunch of do's and don'ts, you're missing Christianity. Christianity is, about, is not about do's and don'ts. It's not about keeping the law. You cannot keep the law. You are lawbreakers. I'm a lawbreaker. If me and you are good at anything, it's good at breaking the law. That's what we're good at. So why would I try to clean up my act? That's like putting perfume on a pig. Still a pig. Okay, how much lipstick you use, right? I mean, whatever. Guys, religious acts, going to church, doing better, is like putting perfume and makeup on a pig. It's just going to wallow in the mud again. That's what we do by nature. We wallow in the mud. What you and I need is to be plucked out of that pigsty and allow the righteousness of God to clean us up and allow Him to enrobe us to make us a new creation in Him. And when I come to Him in faith, saving faith, and am born again, now I can know God. How do I know God? Well, I begin to meditate on His Word. I begin to think about who He says I am. And I begin to agree with Him. That's repentance. That I, I, I'm actually agreeing with God about what He says about me. And I'm beginning to learn and take upon myself His thoughts and, and to begin to live in a new way. And that's His grace at work in my heart to transform my heart, to renew me in my understanding. And that changes me. And that transforms me. And so we begin a new walk. Love is not measured by what it gets. 
but by what it costs. Oswald Chambers. Love is not measured by what it gets, but by what it costs. It costs Christ everything. His life. Guys, He offers you the the hope. He offers you that transforming grace. Again, this is at the very heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good news. You see, love comes from God. Love comes from God. God is love. There was perfect love in union between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, you know, to experience love, there must be a giver and a receiver, right? That, that's at play in, in the Trinity, in the Holy Trinity within itself. And yet, God created us in His image. And His desire was to love us. And He demonstrated this love to us, again, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. My question to you is, what will you do in response to God's love? What will you do in light of who Christ is and what Christ offers you? Will you reject that? Or will you receive that by faith? You see, that's the beauty of love. Love doesn't force itself upon someone, right? I, I, I quote Hank Hanegraaff, though he's a little bit off the rail in some areas more recently than later, uh, previously, but I, I still like a lot of what he does. And here's what he says, guys. Again, if God forces himself upon you, that's akin to cosmic rape. That's a pretty harsh way of putting it, right? But love doesn't force itself. Love allows there to be a giver and a receiver. Have you received? By the way, God says in His Word, to as many as receive Him, who? Jesus, the love of God on display. To as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. Have you responded to that love? Will you respond to that love? Will you by faith receive that love? It's a free gift, guys. You don't clean up. You don't get better. You don't do better. You simply fall upon your face before a holy God and you cry out from the depths of your soul, God, forgive me. I have sinned against you and I need your grace. Save me. And it's beyond just remorse. It's repentance. It's a willing to turn to Him. It's a willing to surrender my life. It's a willing to surrender up who I am and my identity to find my identity in Him. Because I recognize that Christ alone has defeated death. That penalty has been paid for. I recognize that Christ alone is going to allow me as I abide in Him to walk in the Spirit, to walk in victory over the power of sin. And I look with hope one day for the glorious return of Jesus Christ that will one day deliver us from the very presence of sin. That's the gospel. It's not a one and done. It's not a go forward and pray a prayer, now I'm going to live my life. It's a continual work of the Spirit of God in our life to sanctify us, to grow us. And it's a constant dying to myself. It's a taking up my cross and following Him. 
So what will you do in response to God's love? That's the question before us this morning. That love should transform us. I want you to think about it. Let that sink in. That love, the love of Christ, the love that comes from God, that love should transform us from within. When I'm born again, that transformational work, that regeneration in my heart now should begin to have an effect in how I live. It should change the way I think. It should change the desires of my heart. That's a work of God. That's grace upon grace upon grace. God loves us the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. That's a great quote, isn't it? This is the point John's making. If you practice sin, how can you know the love of God? If you say, I hate my brother, how can you know the love of God? God loves us the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. When you and I come to the cross of Calvary, we should experience the overflowing, abundant love that's only found in Him and in Him alone. And when that love begins to take up residence in our heart, it has no other option but to affect us and affect those around us. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced that if you and I can begin to understand the truth of agape love, and that we begin to exercise this faith, we begin to live out our love for one another, that we love God because He first loved us, and I understand that I can't come to Him and love Him unless He comes to me and loves me. He came to us and loves us. And that in going to Him and in loving Him, that will renew my relationship with Him, which will spill over into my love for you and one another. God loves us the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. Love changes, or love comes from God. Love begins with God and love comes from God. I'm going to stop right here. But I want to leave you with this, this thought. And we'll try and pick up from here next week. <clears throat> Therefore, we must live through Him. If love comes from God... It does. And you and I experience that transformational love that comes from Him. That love begins with God. That love comes from God. Therefore, I must live through Him. If I'm going to live this life now in the flesh, right? Paul says this. Right? I've been crucified with Christ. Okay, the old man and his ways are dead. Christ paid for that at the cross of Calvary. He represented me. He took my sin when He died on the cross. Therefore, I, I realize and understand this truth. 
I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So I'm going to give Him my old life. This is called the exchange life, guys. I'm going to give Him my old life of sin. And by faith, I'm going to take the new life He offers me through grace and faith. By grace through faith, right? That's the new life I'm going to receive. And therefore, as I receive that faith, as I receive that life in Him, I need to live through Him. This life that I now live in the flesh, I no longer live according to the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. So that means I've got to rewire my thinking. I've got to think biblically. I've got to think with a biblical worldview. I need to love with the love of Christ. I need to live through the love of Christ. We are objects of His love. You see that in verse 10. We also ought to love. Verse 11. That's the, that's the thought again to kind of tie this up for now to give us a good ending point. Look there if you would in 1 John 4 and notice what he says. Let's go back to the start. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. When I understand what happened at the cross of Calvary, that affects how I live and how I love. When I understand that He atoned for my sin, that when I understand that He removed my sin as far as the east is from the west, when I recognize that the shed blood of Jesus Christ purchased my life out of darkness, I now walk in the light. And so therefore, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Love begins with God, and love comes from God. Therefore, let us love one another and let us live through Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. As we continue to uh, unfold the truth of Scripture, recognizing that love comes from You. We love because You first loved us. We weren't lovable. We're not lovable kind of people. And the only way that I'm going to experience and know true love, perfect love, is going to be when I abide in Christ and Christ abides in me. Lord, give us this mind which is in Christ Jesus. Help us to recognize the sins that easily trip us and let us lay those aside because we can through the power of Christ, through the victory that's been purchased at Calvary. No doubt there are many here today that have things they're struggling with. Lord, let them by faith come to you and surrender it let them first and foremost call upon the name of the Lord so they'll be saved. If there be anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that the love cords would pull their heart to you. That they would turn from their sin and say, God, I, I surrender my life. 
I turn from my sin and I turn to my Savior and I cry out to the only name given under heaven amongst men by which to be saved. Today, I call upon Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I pray right now, somebody watching online or at home or someone here in this church, that today would be their day of salvation. That they wouldn't bank on just some said repeated prayer, but today they would fully, completely surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And that by faith, they would receive the love of God. To as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. Lord, we take You at Your Word and Your promises. You said if anyone comes to You, You won't turn them away. You won't cast them out. And so, Lord, I pray that in this moment, many hearts would uh, be coming to You to say, I give up, Lord. I give up my life. I can't do better. I can't try harder. I recognize that Christ is my only means of sinless perfection. And by faith today, I receive Him. Change my heart. Change my life. And Lord, as you do that, I, 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 I pray that, again, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your perfect will be done. That there will be hearts of, attitude, of gratitude, Lord, around that would intercede on behalf of those making that decision, that surrender. And so, Lord, you do what only you can do. And may there be an overflow of thanksgiving in our heart. Those of us that know you, Lord, I pray that this would be a message of encouragement to realign our priorities with your priorities. To recognize again, we're all unlovable, but in Christ, that love can be shed abroad. And so help us, Lord, to walk by faith, not by sight, trusting you and living through you. And we'll give you the praise this day, thanking you for who you are, for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, a happy Valentine's Day to you. And now go share the love of Christ with a lost and dying world that needs to hear the good news that God loves them and sent His Son to die for them. Have a blessed day. We'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night. God bless.